You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome to season five of Live Free Creative. Can you believe that it has been four whole years since I first sat down with this microphone? Today's episode is number 202. We're going to do another word swap. This time we're swapping the word fail for learn. It feels like an appropriate word swap this time of year, the back to school season, headed back in to learn new things, to try things, to try to absorb and master things that we haven't figured out before. And the tendency can be to feel like if we're not doing it well, right off the bat, if you're not doing it the first time or the second time or even the third time, that we must just not be good at it. We must not be able to accomplish this sort of thing. And if you're not going to school or if you don't have children going to school and it's just another regular September month for you, I'm sure that there are things happening in your life that sometimes feel a little bit like they failed, a little bit disappointing, a little bit frustrating. And I hope that in today's word swap, I can give you some new ways to think about those disappointments. It's totally okay to be disappointed totally okay to feel sad or frustrated or angry or ashamed. And there is an option, an opportunity to let some of those things pass through you and emerge stronger and more resilient, more hopeful and more expansive on the other side. Before we dive into the episode, I want to share a quick pause for a poem. When I compare what I have lost with what I have gained, what I have missed with what attained, little room do I find for pride. I am aware how many days have been idly spent, how like an arrow the good intent has fallen short or been turned aside. But who shall dare to measure loss and gain in this wise? Defeat may be victory in disguise. The lowest ebb is the turn of the tide. Loss and Gain by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Now let's take a second to thank this week's sponsors. Today's podcast is sponsored by Issue. Whether you are working for yourself, you're part of a team, or you're just getting creative and you want to share your content to your website or Instagram or send it to clients, Issue is an all-in-one platform to create and distribute that beautiful digital content. From marketing materials to online magazines that you can flip through like a book, it's beautiful. You can create your content once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. The content is automatically optimized for engagement and ready to share across your platforms. 
I love simple tools like this that are game changers in the creative industry, and you can start using Issue for free, absolutely free to try it out and explore the premium features that offer a more customized experience. To get started with Issue today for free, or to sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off, go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code livefree. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use the promo code livefree at checkout. That will get you your free starter account or 50% off an annual premium account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast with promo code livefree. Check it out. Today's show is also sponsored by Indeed. Do you know what's better than finding quality candidates for the positions you're looking for? Finding them right now. (laughs) For a powerful hiring partner, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple websites looking for candidates with the right skills that matter to you. Find the top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Do you hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the very moment they sponsor a job. I love the idea that with Indeed, you can select for skills that matter most to you. You can customize a job post with a selection of Indeed assessment tests and find the candidate with the exact skills that you're looking for fast. Hiring doesn't have to be a full-time job on top of your current full-time job. You can reclaim your time and find top talent fast with Indeed. Now, you can start hiring today with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash live free. The offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash live free. Indeed.com slash live free. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Let me talk to you about this word swap magic. That's a good one. Fail for learn. I wanna start with a couple examples that you may or may not have heard before. Here's a story about Vera Wang that I had never heard before. I started figure skating when I was seven. Skating is a very, very intense sport. It's all self-generated. You have no one but yourself. And when you're in the top 20 skaters in the United States or world, pretty much all of you have the same technical abilities. But it's all about who can bring it out under pressure. As hard as I tried and as hard as I worked, I never really achieved the level that I wished. It was a very hard realization that since I was in my late teens, I was never going to get better. I wasn't going to make the Olympic team. There were younger skaters coming up. So I quit. And I think quitting was a sign to me that I failed. I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to find something else in my life that meant quite as much. I knew no other life to bounce back from that. It takes so many different things. It takes time. It takes an acceptance that you have to move on. And it takes being open to new experiences. Vera Wang went on from this Olympic dreams failure to becoming an assistant at Vogue magazine. She worked there for years, was climbing the ladder, and eventually was passed over as editor-in-chief at the time that she expected that was her next step. 
Realizing that her career in the magazine had plateaued and she was never going to be the editor-in-chief, she once again decided to quit. At 40 years old, she left Vogue to take a position at Ralph Lauren as the design director for accessories. A few years into this new position, Vera Wang became a bride, a frustrated bride who was not able to find a wedding dress that she loved. After designing her own wedding gown and commissioning a dressmaker to bring it to life, Vera opened her own bridal boutique in New York City, where she sold designer couture gowns and launched her own collection of bridal wear. The success of her bridal wear line has since expanded the company to include fragrances, jewelry, home products, lingerie, and a whole ready-to-wear clothing line called Simply Vera. Vera Wang has said, don't be afraid of failing. I think not trying is worse than failing. Have the courage to try. Otherwise, what are we here for? Who knew that starting as a figure skater with crushed Olympic dreams and then moving on to the incredibly intense and competitive world of fashion magazines, especially when she was in it, and failing at that would be the exact right pathway for Vera Wang to become the powerhouse visionary woman that she is today. Here's another example from Ariana Huffington. My mother used to call failure a stepping stone to success as opposed to the opposite of success. When you frame failure that way, it changes dramatically what you're willing to do, how you're willing to invent, and the risks you'll take. I don't mean you have to try to fail. That will take care of itself. But in my own life, a key component of whatever successes I've had has been what I've learned from my failures. When I ran for the governor of California in 2003, it was a failure. But I learned a tremendous amount about the power of the internet. I also learned a lot about myself, about communicating and being able to touch people's hearts and minds and listening. All the things that were ingrained in me during this campaign definitely had an impact in forming Huffington Post. I wanted to dig a little bit into Ariana's past. I didn't know a lot about her. I was fascinated that she had a book rejected by 36 different publishers and that she failed to get more than 0.55% of the vote when she ran for California governor in 2003. That is a very spectacular failure. Teeny tiny percentage of the vote. Now, she's the founder of Huffington Post, which is one of the biggest news websites in the world, and the author of more than a dozen books. I love that she shares that quote from her mother. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's a stepping stone to success. This right here is where the word swap magic comes in. What if we have it wrong about failure? What if all of the negative ideas that we project onto the experience of not achieving your primary goal the first time aren't actually negative. What if all of those failures are actually rungs on the ladder toward our goal, toward our purpose, toward our potential, toward the unfolding of this pathway that we didn't even know existed? I am positive that Vera Wang training as a young teenager for the figure skating Olympic Games had no idea what her life would end up becoming, had no idea the trajectory that she would be going. She took it one step at a time and even quitting, something that 
we really look down upon, I think, in, in our culture. Even quitting became a pathway forward. What if it's actually a fantastic idea to try and learn and try and learn and use the information that we gain along the way to try again? I want you to think back on your own life. When did you realize for the first time that failure was a thing? I don't remember really having a concept around the idea of it being wrong to not do the thing that I was trying to do or not be able to until I was probably an adolescent. So much of our childhood, we are allowed to and encouraged to try and fall down and try again. And it's okay because we're practicing. It's okay because we have not yet imposed the idea of accomplishment as success onto young children. We know that they're learning. But when do we stop? When do we stop learning? What is the point at which we no longer allow ourselves the space to learn and to grow and to develop? When do we start to assume that we're supposed to already know and supposed to already be good at things? I want to tell you the definitions of failure. Failure is a noun. Number one definition is a lack of success. Number two definition is the omission of expected or required action. Something that I find really interesting about these definitions is that they require further definition. If failure is a lack of success, it wholly depends on what we define as success. If failure is the omission of expected or required action, it wholly depends on what you define as the expectation. How often do you feel like you're failing because you haven't clearly defined your definition of success? How often do you feel like you or someone else is not doing a very good job because there isn't a very clear definition surrounding the expectation? This is something I've been learning a lot with my kids over the last few years, that if they don't understand what the expectation is for a family guideline, a rule, a chore, it's very unlikely that they're going to meet it. And it's my responsibility to show them or teach them what the expectation is and help them learn the process of getting there. It isn't a one-time thing. It isn't, you know, one and done. You've got it now. Growing up is a process of learning. And we learn as we fall short what else we need to do. What further steps can we take? Our progress as humans, our progression, our development doesn't end at adolescence or at adulthood, you know, 18, 21, 25. We continue to grow and develop and learn. And that is great news. We have so much wonderful life ahead of us at any stage. How are we going to use it? What are we going to do? What do we want? I've told this story before. I'm going to share it again. It's probably been a while. I mean, the podcast has been around for four whole years. Can you believe that? So somewhere over 200 episodes, I've shared this story about 
failure and learning. This has to do with clarity around success and clarity around purpose. When I first quit my nursing job in order to work online full-time, work as a full-time blogger, uh, which has then you know morphed into a blogger and a podcaster and an author and a speaker and a retreat host, I missed my interaction with people. I had been working in an office where I met with patients every day and I had coworkers. And so going from that environment into sitting at home in my pajamas with my computer, writing blog posts during nap time, and communicating with people really just over email, I started to feel this loss, this lack of in-person connection. I had friends, I had a supportive family, and yet I wanted to interact with my community, the community that I was building online. At that time, I was sharing a lot of DIY creative projects, craft projects, home decor projects, design. I thought, I want to do these things in person with people. And so I decided I was going to host a workshop. My very first workshop I did in collaboration with a local venue, a darling, if you live in Austin, Texas, the Papercraft Pantry, still there, still going, amazing. Paysim, the owner, invited me to come teach at her shop, and she handled the marketing, the ticket sales, everything. So it was beautiful. I mean, absolutely wonderful. It was sold out. I went and I taught. I had a great time. I was interacting with people in real life. I was teaching them to use their hands to make something creative. And all of those positive emotions and the the feeling of making something and creating something, I got to share with this group of people. It was just such a highlight. And I decided I wanted to do that on my own as well. I was going to host a workshop by myself. So then it became on me to find the venue and to do the marketing and to sell the tickets. And I found a local spot that I thought was really cute and I rented it for an afternoon. And I decided I I was going to have 10 people. So I had planned out all the delicious food like a big charcuterie board and some drinks and snacks and things and I bought all of the materials that I would need I had to order them online ahead of time so I ordered everything online and I sent out my marketing materials for this workshop and it was crickets no one responded at all and at this point I had a fairly engaged community on my blog people you know this was back in the day when we would still leave comments on people's blogs Instagram was rolling uh, this was probably 2014 or 2015 and I had a fair community on Instagram that was interacting regularly and so to have absolutely no response felt like failure <laughs> and I did another little you know tentative push mentioned it and I had one person sign up one person signed up for this workshop. I probably needed about six people to sign up to even break even financially. Not to mention the hours that I had put into not only learning the craft throughout you know the last few years, but also uh, preparing, planning, getting materials, creating the marketing materials, all of the things that went into it. And I felt upside down. I felt like, what is even the point? And I sat down with Dave to have a heart-to-heart, 
And I said, "Hun, I just don't know if this is even worth it. I just am such a failure. Maybe I should just cancel it. Only one person has signed up. I planned on 10 and I'm going to, you know, maybe I should just refund the money and see if I can get my money back for the things that I ordered. Like I was kind of spinning about it. And Dave was so wise. He said, what is the point of the workshop? Why do you want to do it? What is the purpose? These right here are questions that clarify the definition of success. Questions that clarify the expectation. And I said, I just really want to spend time in person with people creating something beautiful. And Dave said, it sounds like you can do that. Even if you don't make any money, even if you're spending hundreds of dollars to host this event, you can fulfill that purpose. You can reach that success. And so I did. I invited for free a handful of friends to come join me as a favor. I mean, I really frame this as like, I would love to host you. Please come. I know that it's taking time. And I filled the extra seats with friends. I bought all of the snacks and made this beautiful charcuterie board. It was a lovely afternoon. The sun was shining. There was a light breeze. It wasn't too hot. The venue was beautiful. All of these women came. The one paid participant and the other nine friends came and filled the seats and filled the space with energy and love and excitement. And we spent a couple hours together creating things being artistic, being imaginative, having fun, connecting. It was really impactful. It was really beautiful. And it was a really important lesson for me in making sure to clarify what I was trying to achieve. Making sure to not measure my level of success or failure based on some random extraneous measurement. So often when I feel bad, like I'm doing something wrong or I'm not doing enough, it's because I'm measuring myself against someone else's ideal. I'm measuring myself against a societal or cultural standard. I'm measuring myself against what I think someone like me is supposed to do. Do you remember this? Y'all, we did a whole episode, a word swap magic episode about should. Shoulds. Why do we do this to ourselves? We think we should. And so then we measure ourselves against this level of someone else's idea of success. When we are able to rein all that in, kind of sweep away the, the dust of other people's expectations, external measurements, and allow ourselves some, some clarity around what it is that we're trying to achieve. My guess is that our failures will start to look a lot like stepping stones. My guess is that our failures start to look like lessons. They start to look like pieces along our pathway. Dr. Samuel West is a licensed psychologist with a PhD in organizational psychology. He's also the founder of something called the Museum of Failure. This Museum of Failure is a collection of failed products and services from around the world. 
with the intent to teach the public that the majority of all innovation projects fail. Dr. West has said, failure is inherent to the research process, observing results and then continuing with iterations to make progress. But the problem is that failure isn't automatically communicated with the outside world, even within the research community where failure should be a given Publication bias means that there's a huge problem with discussing and accepting failure. He says that innovation and progress require an acceptance of failure. And so the Museum of Failure aims to stimulate productive discussion about failure and inspire us to take meaningful risks. Taking risks is one of the things that people who are in hospice close to the end of their lives say is something that they wished they had done more. In an article on Mind Body Green, social worker Grace Blue Rock shares that she spent six years working with hospice care patients. They were some of the most profound years of her life, she says, as she sat behind the bedside of dying men and women and tried to help them make peace with their time spent on earth. Each story that emerged was unique but certain disappointments were expressed over and over again. In this article, Grace outlines nine regrets expressed by hospice patients and teaches us how they can help us to living a better life right now. Among the nine, there are a couple that really stand out as they relate to failure. One is that people wish they had taken more risks. Many felt that a fear of failure caused them to play it too safe. They knew that they could have had a more fulfilling life if they had taken some risks and disturbed the status quo. Another related regret was that these people wished that they had lived their dream. Many people's lifelong dreams went unfulfilled because they were too concerned with trying to live up to someone else's expectation. This all sounds very familiar. It sounds like failure. It sounds like being worried about someone else's idea of success, someone else's expectation, not being clear about what you want and allowing yourself to learn as you head in the direction of your dreams, as you head in the direction of meaningful, fulfilling relationships and experiences that yes, inherently involve some level of risk, of things not working out the way that you hoped, of maybe things taking a little bit more time, or investments feeling like they didn't quite pan out the way that you thought they might. Being able to step back with this word swap and reframe the way that you think you might have failed for curiosity around what you might have learned is incredibly powerful. I just want to leave you today with a couple final introspective questions What would you try if you didn't think failure was an option? What is that little spark of passion or interest or curiosity or wonder within you that if you fanned the flame with hope rather than squashing it with fear would emerge and grow into something incredible that you could learn from. The poet Ebert Hubbard said, there is no failure except in no longer trying. I wanna encourage you 
to try on this mental shift of taking failure and swapping it for learning. Starting to reframe your past experiences, your present experiences, and your future experiences through the lens that failure is a frame of mind. And so learning can be also. Thank you so much for joining me here today in the first episode of season five of Live Free Creative Podcast. I hope I've given you something to think about, a new and empowering way to think about the things that happen in your life and what you're hoping to achieve in the future. If you're new to the show, take a minute and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. There's lots of really fun ones coming your way over the next year in this season. I also want to remind you that the 200 episode giveaway has just ended. So you can head to livefreecreative.co slash giveaway and find out if you were a winner. One of the ways to enter that giveaway was to leave a five-star rating and a written review on iTunes. And so many of you take advantage of that. And I want to encourage you, giveaway or no giveaway, to continue to leave your thoughts in writing on iTunes so that more people can discover what Live Free Creative is all about and find out how it can help them feel a little bit better, live a little bit more on purpose in their daily life. The last thing I have for you is that the doors to Decluttered, my twice annual masterclass are open right now. Check out the link in the show notes or head to livefreecreative.co to register and join me over the next six weeks of learning. We begin September 19th. I will see you there and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Hi there, I'm Rachel, and I'm the host of 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms, a podcast for women who want to love motherhood as much as they love their children. In each 30-minute episode, my guests and I give three actionable takeaways that will help you make your family life a little better each week. I'd love for you to give us a listen. Listen to 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.